helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to another episode of the Life Transformation Show. Today's show is titled, How to Break the Curse of Codependency. Are you in a codependent relationship? A codependent relationship is one in which two people are psychologically dependent on each other in an unhealthy manner. This creates a dependence on each other that keeps both stuck in an unhealthy pattern of dependency. Usually there there are two distinct roles in such relationship. One role is that of a supplier, and the other role is of a dependent. So the supplier supplies the needs of the dependent. Examples of codependents are alcoholics who may be drinking their life away or sabotaging themselves by missing work due to alcohol use are putting themselves in danger by getting into bar fights or engaging in unprotected sex with people they don't know. The dependence irresponsibility or the irresponsible lifestyle of, of the addict, or in this case we call them the dependent, creates a co-dependency with someone else in their circle. The other person becomes unhealthily preoccupied with meeting the addict's needs or trying to save the addict from himself. The supplier who is meeting this need may become overly involved in activities such as paying the the addict's bills, calling in sick for the addict when he has a hangover and cannot go to work, or doing the addict's assignment so that he does not fail a course. So this creates a dynamic in which the boundaries of the two lives become blurred, and it's hard to tell where the supplier's life begins and where the addict's life begins. So there is this codependency where they're both dependent on each other in different way. The supplier is also dependent on on the on the addict in the sense that they may feel a sense of esteem or worth in trying to save the addict from himself. Suppliers sometimes carries shame and guilt for the actions of the addict. They feel personally responsible for the failures of the addict. The addict, on the other hand, loses his sense of responsibility for his life and, in effect, hands over responsibilities to the supplier while they continue to act in irresponsible ways. So, codependent relationship can take many forms. It could be a relationship in which there is porn addiction. It could be a food addiction. And we talk about alcoholism, so of course it could be that of an alcoholic. It could be a gambling addiction or some other excesses that someone 
in your family or someone in your circle is indulging in. So excesses can take different forms as well, apart from those that I have mentioned so far. People who are in relationship with narcissists may find that the narcissist is addicted to feelings of superiority and grandeur. So the narcissist can never be wrong. The narcissist can never fail. And the supplier in that relationship makes the narcissist always feel as if they're right, supply their needs for for getting praise and uh, feeling as if they're superior to others. So these are different forms of the of codependent relationship. So the show today is really about how to break the curse of codependency. And those of you who are regular listeners will know that we usually take a biblical take and today is no exception. I'll be using the story of Abigail and Nabal, this biblical couple that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 25 to speak of co-dependency. So just let me just break down the story and or summarize the story so that you have an idea of why this story has been used to speak about codependency. So to get a sort of background, David's army of 600 men provided protection for Nabal's vast flock so that nothing is stolen from him. During a certain season of the year known as sheep shearing season, when there is apparently a big feast for shearers, David sent some of his men to Nabal to ask for food for he and his, for him and his men. Nabal, instead of reciprocating kindness to David, hurls insult at David. David's men returned to David, telling him of the insult that Nabal had hurled at him. David becomes enraged, arms himself and 400 of his men, and sets out for Nabal's home, threatening to wipe out Nabal and every male relative because of the insult. So you see the scenario is set up. There is likely going to be a bloodbath. However, one of Nabal's servants tell Nabal's wife, Abigail, that her husband had insulted David. The servant explained to her how David and his men had had provided protection for her husband herds day and night and how disaster was about to befall Nabal and his household because of the insults. Abigail springs into action to save the life of her husband and other men in her household. She loaded uh, several donkeys with supplies of food for David and his men. And she meets David with his armed men who were already on their way to attack Nabal. She apologizes profusely to David for her husband's insults and presents him with the supplies he needs. David accepts the supply and the apology and, and he abandoned his planned attack on Nabal's household. 
So what happens next is what typically take place in a codependent relationship, because here you have this this wife, Nabal, uh, Abigail, who is out meeting armed men, trying to save, trying to save Nabal from disaster. And what do you find happening when she returns home? It's not surprising. When she return home, returns home, Nabal is just up to his same old antics. She returns home to find him partying and drinking and having a feast. And so while she's out putting herself in danger, rescuing him from himself, he's like, this is time for me to have more fun and to enjoy life because uh, Abigail is out there uh, doing what is necessary to save the day. And so she finds him so drunk that she could not speak to him about his actions until the next day. Unfortunately, the next day, when she told him about the danger he had put his family in, he had a heart attack and died 10 days later. This is an example of a codependent relationship. Abigail is the supplier. She is in this relationship trying to meet the needs of the dependent. And the dependent in this case is Nabal. Nabal is irresponsible. He has a drinking problem. He has a problem with attitude where he becomes drunk and he gets himself in trouble. And it seems as if each time that he gets himself in trouble, because certainly this would not be the only time. As she talks to David about her husband, she calls him a fool. And she said his name actually means a fool. And so what this is saying is that it's part of his character to do things that are foolish, that puts him in trouble. And so she is the wife that is that is the supplier. The supplier, as I said before, saves the addict from himself by meeting the addict's needs or trying to save the addict from danger. So are you in a codependent relationship as, as you listen to this show today? Or do you know someone in your circle that is in a codependent relationship? So here are a few questions that could indicate uh, whether or not you're in a codependent relationship. Do you carry shame or guilt over someone else's actions? Have you become preoccupied with the other person's behavior? Do you feel it is somehow within your power to help the other person stop the unwanted action? Maybe if you are in a situation where your husband is addicted to porn, you may incorrectly begin to feel it is somehow because something is lacking in our sex life why he has this addiction. This is an example of feeling that you're somehow, it is somehow within your power to stop the other person's unwanted action. Maybe if I were a better wife, maybe if our sex life was better, maybe if I pray more, this would not be happening. So these are some of the misguided uh, way ways that suppliers think about themselves. Have you been investing your time, money, or other resources to help the other person? 
Have you been covering up the other person's failure so that they can maintain the public facade of being responsible? Or maybe it's being spiritual. They're a member of the board in your church or, you know, they have some high profile position and you are actively involved in covering up this person's behavior so that they remain looking respectable? Do you keep trying to help others even though they act entitled or ungrateful? Are you neglecting aspects of your life in trying to fix the other person? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, it, it, it's possible that you are in a co-dependent relationship. So this show is how to break the curse of codependency. I want to share with you at this point some tips as to how, if you find yourself in such a relationship, how you can stop being codependent, how you can break. And I use a very strong word when I say curse, because codependency, as we will see as we go through the rest of this show, has very serious consequences on both parties, on both the supplier and the dependent. So one of the first step in breaking the curse of codependency is to trust in God, not in your efforts. And this is a very important step. One of the 12 principles of the 12 steps addiction programs that are out there, and there are many different ones, but the, a key principle, one of the 12 step is that the addict has to come to this place where he, where he acknowledges that he is powerless to change himself and that he is now depending on a higher power to bring about the desired changes. So this is exactly what the supplier also need to do. The supplier who is catering to the addict's behavior and supplying the addict's needs so that they can be irresp- they can continue to be irresponsible trying to save the addict from himself in the same way the codependent supplier must accept that he is powerless to save or change the addict and that they are and that they are now willing to let go of control and depend on God to bring about the desired changes in the addict's life. In other words, you cannot will the addict into changing by doing more. You cannot will the person into changing by trying to control his or her actions or saving them from disaster. This story of Abigail is a good reminder for us that despite our best efforts, we cannot save people from themselves. Only God can. And God has to sometime uh, intervene, but he can't because we are getting in his ways. In the story of Abigail, we see that Abigail is trying to save her husband from himself. She's trying to save his life. She is trying to prevent David from attacking him because he insulted David. But you see what happened while she is busy trying to tidy up the mess that he has made. 
Nabal is busy drinking himself to death. And so it is that she comes back and she finds him drunk and, and the next day he has a heart attack, presumably from binge drinking. And so it is, that's a good reminder to us that sometime when we think we're doing our best effort to avert disaster, we're actually contributing to it. And so it is that Abigail, by not allowing Nabal to take on the responsibility of apologizing to to David, is giving him time to party and to have a feast and to pretend as if everything is okay when disaster is lurking. That should have been uh, Nabal's responsibility. There should have been a conversation before he got drunk that day to say, you need to make this right because disaster is lurking at the door. But Abigail stepped into this, into this role of being the, of being the, the supplier, the one who is going to save Nabal from himself. And we see that sadly her best effort fell short. Yes, she saved him from dying the death of, by the sword, but he died instead from apparent alcohol overdose. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the Life Transformation Show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services has been using the scripture from 1 Samuel 25 to speak on the topic, How to Break the Curse of Codependency. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914 where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. Let me talk a little bit about trust in God, because when we hear trust in God, we, we often think of just sitting back and doing nothing. But there is passive versus active trust in God. And what I'm talking about here is an active trust in God. So active trust mean, first of all, understanding the sovereign nature of God. It is up to God to bring about His will, and He is sovereign. He can do what we want, or He can do something totally different that surprises us. He has a plan that is better than our plan. He has a plan that is bigger than our plan. But when we think that we knows best, and we know best, and that we have to stand, we have to make, a, we have to bring about a certain end result. We often prevent God from doing what He needs to do. And so active trust starts with understanding that God is sovereign. Active trust involves praying and fasting. Active trust involves meditating on God's word. Active trust meaning seeking godly wisdom. Not just say, I trust God, but seeking godly people who can speak into your life and can give you wisdom as to how to deal with the situation. So, so it starts, the first step starts by trusting in God, not in your own effort. The second step is to realize that like the addict, you have an addiction. 
And this might be a surprise to come as a surprise to many of you to hear this, but suppliers who are actively trying to save the addict from himself is addicted to doing, is addicted to trying to make something happen. And so whenever the addict goes into his addiction cycle of using drugs or becoming drunk and being irresponsible, the supplier go into their cycle of doing things on behalf of the addict, and they become addicted to that as well. So let's look at Abigail. She sets out to save Nabal from the consequences of his action. It, it appears that Abigail's servants knew the drill. They must have seen it happen time and time again. So Nabal gets into trouble and what do they do? They, they speak to Abigail. Abigail, your husband is in trouble again. And she sets out on a mission to, to save her husband. So Abigail may have been addicted to, to the process of acting in the same way that Nabal is addicted to alcohol. She is addicted to the process of trying to save him from himself. And in the same way that alcoholics and addicts of all kind get a high from the substance that they're using, uh, codependent uh, spouses who are playing the role of supplier also get a high uh, from doing. They may have a sense of purpose. They may feel that this is somehow, this somehow gives them value. I am needed by my spouse. He, he can't do without me. He, and, and they may mistake being needed with being loved. And so the sense of purpose that they develop from doing, Abigail may have had this sense of purpose. Uh, uh, people who are suppliers may also have a sense of control. Life seems to be getting out of control and doing this thing makes me feel that life is in control. But as you can see from the story of Abigail and Nabal, nothing that she did uh put the situation in control. As a matter of fact, it was getting worse as she was doing more. While she's out saving Nabal from being slaughtered by David, he's drinking himself to death. But there is this false sense of control. I can save Nabal. In fact, the story shows that she can't because he drank himself to death and in 10 days he was dead despite her best effort. So this sense of control is a false sense of control. And so uh, suppliers also have this false self-esteem, the sense of esteem. I am doing some good. I am doing a world of good for the, the addict. And all of this is a deception. It, it's the same way, in the same way that addicts feel this high from using substance and feel that everything is okay in their world. The, the, the codependent also feel is deceived into feeling that everything is okay in their world by doing, when in fact the doing is not having any effect on the situation. So it's important to realize that this is an addiction in the same way that the addict is addicted to, to, to the substance, you as a supplier is addicted to the process of doing. 
And then the third point is to recognize or consider the long-term consequences of being a codependent supplier. So here are some of the dangers of codependency. It blocks the dependent from learning personal responsibility. As long as you're doing things for the addict, you're paying the addict's bills while he has money to be drinking alcohol and buying more drugs, He's not learning responsibility. He's, he's getting more opportunity or enabling the unwanted behavior. It can also lead to the depression of the codependent supplier by, by being so involved in the addict's life and failing time and time again. It can lead to a state of depression or anxiety and even ill health. It also affects the, the codependent suppliers self-esteem so by trying to rescue this person from themselves and failing over and over and over again you're actually not building self-esteem you're actually affecting your self-esteem and your self-worth because what you're learning is failure after failure and also uh, this can cause the dependent to be unhealthily dependent on you as a codependent supplier. So it's important to realize that there are a lot of negative consequences to being in a codependent relationship. And the fourth point is that as a codependent supplier, you need to explore the childhood roots of codependency. Many codependents tend to have low self-esteem. They are people pleasers. They have seen codependence in their parents' relationship. They are nurtured to feel that their feelings are not important. Are they received shame-based parenting where they feel shame for things that they have no control over, such as having an alcoholic parent, or they did not have healthy conflict resolution modeled uh, by their parents. So if you find yourself in, in being a codependent in an adult relationship, take a look at where this route might have started in your childhood. And uh, the fifth point is that start taking care of your needs. A lot of codependents may feel that it is somehow selfish to, to put the addict's needs aside while they care for themselves. But the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, not more than yourself. This statement by Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself, presumes that there is a healthy degree of self-love. And what I find in codependent relationship is that this degree of self-love is missing. The addict, the, 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 the supplier is like a martyr that you're sacrificing themselves on the altar of the addict's life. So, Take care of yourself. Get rest. Think about your future. Think about saving for your future and, and not be giving away your money in a way that is subsidizing a drug lifestyle. And the, the fifth and final point is to get professional help. In many cases, professional help will be needed to break this curse because it's deep-rooted. It's, it's, it has its roots in childhood. And you may have been conditioned by the ad and circumstances to be a supplier. So we have quickly come to the end of today's show. I want to thank you for being with us on this episode of the Life Transformation Show. Uh, 
I want to remind you that we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. If you are listening to this show via our YouTube channel, remember to subscribe so that you can be notified of our weekly shows. If you are listening on air then and, and you have missed a part of this show, you can listen to the full show on our YouTube channel. I want to remind you that we are a professional counseling organization that counts on your support to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those in need. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.